One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Wake up in the morning feeling like. Okay, now the tough question. Is this a try? Yes or no? Just because I'm a woman. <laughs> Hello, tryhards, and good evening from me down in the Southern Hemisphere. I was waiting for uh, good evening, tryhards, but you did say it in your second line. So yes, we all know that you're down there. Are you having fun? Yes, a lot of fun. It's, it is amazing, I have to say. I, I don't want to kind of like give anyone FOMO and, and, try and, and try and brag too much, but it's, it feels unlike anything I've experienced in, in kind of women's rugby terms, women's World Cup terms, and actually to some extent, World Cup in general, it's um, it's very emotional. I spoke to Ricky Swanell this morning and I think both of us were so knackered by the end of the weekend because it just, I don't know whether it's because it's a women's sport thing. I don't know if it's because, you know, it's, it has been a longer wait, that extra year for this, but I feel like I've cried at something in every game I'm, I'm a woman on the absolute edge of their nerves <laughs> I mean I was nearly crying with hunger on the Saturday morning because the alarm went off at 2 30. I actually I, I had intended to um to text Jill Douglas and warn her about your hanger issues um so I hope that she dealt with that okay because I can't imagine you were much fun oh absolute pure entertainment so I think it was Callum um, who's looking after us in the in the studios. Maybe Sally, who's the production kind of um, I don't know the full what her proper title is, but she was looking after us as well in the studio. Um, they came in with some breakfast, and there was like sandwiches in the green room, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm not I'm not down with like a ham and piccalilli or an egg and cress at like three oh. in the morning." So I oh. um, I did on one, and I, it wasn't wasn't quite what I was my my body was expecting <clears throat> so I obviously quickly got through a few bananas um but obviously. um when the breakfast box was brought in we were like all kind of thinking yes um bacon sandwich I don't know uh sausage bap I don't know something and Flats's face when they went would you like some um, some yogurt or uh, maybe a little pastry and hit an awesome fruit? And he literally looked like he wanted to throw the box across the room because he was so wow. hungry. <laughs> we did see on social media though you did have a Greg's, so I want to know what everyone's Greg's order was. Oh, we didn't really have that much choice. We were just told bacon sandwich, really, or a vegan oh, option. I love, which I love a Greg's breakfast sandwich. Well, now I mean. Everyone kind of started to pile in on that. And uh, Sam Warburton has given a, a suggestion of an omelette 
it, basically it was three lots of protein I was like wow I didn't know that it was a Greg special and I thought well so I yeah, replied yeah. saying well if anyone can make this at 3 a.m go for it the bacon sausage and omelette from Greg's yeah never heard of it so oh um I'm a I'm a uh, bacon and omelette no sauce kind of Greg's breakfast bap for me um I I'll be honest I'll take a Greg's breakfast over a McDonald's more often than not no yeah I would I would I know that'll shock you as probably the biggest McDonald's fan there is but I take a Greg over a Mackey D's um, breakfast one thing I just will um just explain to listeners we've actually got quite a few new listeners which is brilliant including um the Nick Mullins um man off telly um and, and Nick Mullins yeah and um he commented about how we start the podcast about um how I normally abuse you for your, the start, which I've done again today. Um, yeah. But I just wanted to say to everyone, hello, welcome to the Tryhards. We've been doing this for about 15 years, 14 too many. Um, and um, often we do talk about food. So if you don't don't like that chat, um, press the 15 second skip or something. I don't know, but, it, but there will be a lot of there will be a lot of food chat. So contribute on socials. <laughs> Yeah, wait for our new listeners. You're uh, you've come in at a great time because it means you're not going to have to wait all year for the annual Christmas sandwich chat. I um I have a big question. Go we on. actually talked about it on uh on ITV4 when we switched games to the Black Ferns Aussies. Um yeah. was Retora mining? No, she sang live. She was phenomenal. She got a hell of a voice. For an English girl. Honestly, she was <laughs> She was uh, she was very impressive. She was very impressive. Um, Maybe what was impressive was the was the leg was the uh, the leg high cuts height. on the legs. Ooh, yeah, yeah, high cut. Yeah, that that had me like, well, fair play. I mean, you don't want that slipping anywhere, do you? She um, she got a hell of a rig on her. She's she, in great shape. Great shape. Um, she was very good. I was very impressed. I mean, slightly annoyed that me and Rach were trying to do a little pitch side uh, hit and, and she decided she'd come on and perform. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but it was exceptional. It was it oh, felt very. Tell you what we should have done is both of you should have pretended with your ITV mics that you were singing. That's what I would have done. I would have. <laughs> I actually started my you obviously didn't see it. I started my link with uh, Rita Ora's performing behind us. And you've got two other UK divas pitch side here in myself and Rachel Burford. I thought that was yeah, really good. Um, thanks for your Talk support. About the rugby. Um, yeah, let's let's. Why don't we start with the first match of the tournament, the first match of the day? Um, South Africa faced France. Um, Pool B. Those two teams hail from, I believe. Is it Pool B or Pool C? Pool B. B. Uh, thank you and South Africa turned up they really turned up it was I, I spoke to Lynn Campbell beforehand ever the the realist you know they knew it was a, a tough tough ask for them but they really challenged France in that game yeah I think what I mean I have just seen clips of that game um I decided I didn't really fancy the um 1am alarm I'd go I'd stick with the 231 but um yeah. I uh I think the difference with the with the South Africans with the fact that they got stuck into them up front, and I think when you see and watch the main teams, probably all bar um, 
New Zealand and Australia um, who ha have the rugby skills and the nafs out, out in their backline. That's where their real strengths lie. You know, with England and France, where they dominate teams and where teams just can't stay with them is up front. Like whether that's at set piece or whether that's in the collisions time and time again. I know obviously we're going to talk about England, Fiji and, and the collisions there, but I think you need to credit the South Africans. Um, they've had a couple of decent scrum coaches going in and working with them. Um, and I suppose it's a difficult mindset because France scored three tries pretty quickly. Um, yeah. Sansu, uh, the the little, little scrum half, of course she had to score the opening try, you know, I think French yeah. player of the year, Six Nations player of the tournament, um, wonderful player. And then she broke the back of the 19-5 as well. Like her try then opened up the, the rest yeah. of it. Um, it shows how influential she is. I mean, she pretty much kept France in the games slash won them in the Six Nations. Um, so the importance of her, I think, going through the tournament is, is critical. But yeah, I mean, I saw, uh, I saw Min Nolly. She got stuck in, didn't she? She's oh, quite she's good. She's better than me, mate. Way better than I was. <laughs> she's good, though, isn't she? Can you see why I was like, mate, she is, she's my new fave. She is going to be my fave player of the tournament, I think, um, for the first, for the pool stages anyway. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. Mini Nolly. Um, no, we didn't call her Mini Nolly. Aldi Nolly. Yeah, mate, she's she's not the Aldi Nolly. I mean, although saying that. Mate, I think that often... performance was straight from the middle aisle. Yeah, yeah, that. I think, um, I, yeah, oh, she, was, she was really good. I think um, just in terms of what does that mean, I think I was quite surprised that France didn't put more points on South Africa. Yeah. But if you throw forward, I think you need to credit South Africa for the work they put in. Um, they didn't, they obviously didn't stay with them at the end, but I think it was 66 minutes before they started to crank yeah. up the result. And whereas you'd say, oh, you know, South Africa... England, where's Fiji out between those two? You now got to think. Well, actually, if they've got that performance in them against the French, the South Africa, uh, the Fijians have got their first half performance against England. That's a hell of a matchup for next yeah, week. Yeah, it's um, it's going to be very interesting. It was um, I saw Lynn Cantwell um obviously after the game and before the game and after the game, you know, she, I, I think they were, they were really happy with the performance they put in and frustrated by things. And, you know, Lynn is one of the kind of biggest perfectionists I think I've ever met in rugby. Um, but they would have, I think been kind of licking their lips thinking, Oh, you know, well, we, we had some really good patches against one of the, the best teams in the world, France. And now we've got the, the debutants Fiji next week. I don't think anyone expected Fiji to come out in that first half. And, you know, I think that the thing with Fiji is, is always that cliche of expect the unexpected and it is always chaos, but they were absolutely superb value in that first half. Yeah. I think, you know, what I was really surprised about was they were, they were actually far more clinical in and around the carries. Um, when I've watched them previously coming in, they were, the ball was like flying out. They weren't looking after it. There were offloads and stuff that went to floor, but it, it was far better. And I think where they stuck yeah. with England, wasn't necessarily around their set piece long. I think they had one good scrum and one good line out against them, and then they kind of fell apart. But actually, it was around their carries, and they they dominated England and they brought in England's defence and challenged them by the physicality and the relentlessness of their carries. Yeah. In that first half, which 
against the vast majority of sides doesn't happen with England because they do they've, they've got this new double tackle technique that they're like whacking them down but actually when you've got that it's really easy to fill the field it's really easy to jack yeah. up the ball because you're on the front foot of defense but actually that wasn't happening um that coupled with so many errors from England across the board you know whether yeah. it was a pass in touch or like like Zoe dropped the ball early there was um I think Sadia dropped it off kickoff there was just a lot of a lot of unforced errors and I think it'll be frustrating for the England girls because they're far more skillful than that you know but it shows the emotional toll that you know that build up being in that massive stadium um and and, and actually and, and Mids talked about that actually in the post-match like he said you know you kind of you don't want to underestimate the fact that it, they were playing at Eden Park and it is the first game of a World Cup. And and of course, everyone's nervous, regardless of whether you are heavily tipped and heavily favoured for the competition. Of course, they're going to be incredibly nervous as individuals and as a team. And, and he kind of talked about that. But I don't know how well it translated on screen and, and, and back in the UK, but you cannot you cannot conceptualise how that crowd was barracking for Fiji. It was, it was such a, it, it felt like the game was being played in Suva at points because <laughs> it was absolutely bouncing with Fijian fans. It, it was, it was amazing. You know, Rachel Burton and I were kind of um, four or five rows back from the pitch and felt like we were kind of in the thick of it because there were so many Fijians there and they were so loud and so passionate. And actually I wonder how much for England that will be going forward in this competition and, and when and if they do face the Black Ferns, that actually will stand them in good stead because it, the, the crowd were on their backs. You know, when when those balls were dropped, when when passes didn't go to hand, when, when balls were kind of passed out into touch, the crowd lost it. And actually that for England going forward, having a little taste of that in the first game, I don't think is going to be a bad thing for them. <laughs> No, definitely and it's really interesting so I'm, I'm just kind of visualizing what it would be like or what when I think back to the world cups that I've been in for the girls like one of the most iconic things that you see for sports um that often is part of the replays is always part of the highlights is the captain stood at the front of the tunnel um but then as the teams file out they file out past the cup yeah. and I think you've got such mixed emotions in that squad you've got world cup winners but then they the following time they didn't back it up and lost you've got players that have only ever lost at a world cup and then you've got players that have never done it before and actually i don't think you can underestimate how how charged you get from from doing yeah. just the simple act of walking past the thing that everybody all of that all of the all of the effort, getting Rita Ora to sing, like the stadiums, yeah. everything that goes into World Cups is for that thing. It's for that, yeah. you know. Um, so, yeah, and I, I don't think it, I don't, in all honesty, think that that translated through on ITV. For me, the the, the real Fijian kind of um, coverage. Obviously, this you, you've almost got to treat those two halves in a vacuum because the second half was the England that we expected to see and, and they piled the points on and it was relentless in parts but that first half performance how much are teams like France teams like New Zealand going to learn from the way that England played and what Fiji did and how much will they try and possibly adopt some of the things that Fiji did it just shows that you know you don't have to match 
England and be like England to beat England. You need to be your own. And, you know, the Fijians, their, their ability to win the contact and win a collision um, and also have the confidence to shift it wide, even if there are England defenders there. You know, the England girls are wonderful defenders and they were putting in their shots and they were covering. But they also showed vulnerability, right? If you run hard and, and you, they've still got to complete those tackles. They've still got to get yeah. it, you know. And and, and Fiji created, um, like, they were disorganized, England were disorganized at times, but it was on phase at or, or counter-attack. And it's having the confidence to go and play how you want to play against a team rather than being dictated by a very structured, very organized defense. Um, yeah. And, and Fiji did that. They had nothing to lose. I think when you look at um, what England did, for me, the, the player of the match was Emily Scarrett. I think her, the, the specifics around how she took the ball to the line. England backs are playing very, very deep to get round a, a charging defence. Fiji were narrow, so you've got, to, you've got to earn the right to keep it wide. But Emily was the, the linchpin in that. <clears throat> and then she carried hard when she... Um, and and ate up the space or when she allowed the end defender to come onto her and she just shipped it quickly and then out, out the backs went. I think, you know, also you, you had busy outside backs and if you've got busy outside backs with England, you know that the forwards have done the really, really good job. They've done yeah. the hard work, but that's when you know that England are going to be pumping on the points because they get the ball. It's exactly yeah. the same as New Zealand. When they're outside backs get the ball, you know there's going to be lots of tries being scored because um, they are world-class at finishing. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you know, obviously you've got to have a word on Abby Dow coming and, and playing and, and looking looking strong and I think just that massive smile. And I spoke about it in our coverage, how a lot of people will talk about like the physical part of coming back from an injury or, you know, the fitness and, and that type of thing. Um but you just can't underestimate the psychological value of, of just getting through a game and getting through yeah. the warm-up. You know, the warm-ups are intense. Also maintaining being warm through the game and, and then coming on and doing that. Um, that said, people, you know, Mags and Flat said about like, oh, she's going to be good. Like, she's not going to be good. Like, that. this is going to take all tournament. Like, I yeah. came back from an ACL and I played in, the, in 2010 played against Ireland we beat them like played well then I played um played Kazakhstan I think and like they were rubbish obviously um, and then played against America and scored two tries got player of the match and was in floods of tears afterwards and was just beside myself not in a positive way because all of a sudden you think this is too good to be true what's going to happen yeah. when and and so you get this anxiety about what's next um yeah is is this too good that I've come on and scored with my first touch in a World Cup opener, like you know, for Abby. Yeah. Um, and so the work that the team do from a psychological perspective and making sure that she is okay and not just because of coming back and doing what she's done, she's now Abby Dow again. You know, my message to her was don't try and be Abby, be Abby 2.0, and, and that's yeah. even an even better version of you. But it's it's you just being vulnerable. I don't know. It's just something people don't talk weekend. about. Pardon? Do you think she starts this weekend? Um, I don't think so. I think you bring her off the bench again um, because what she can do. I think probably the biggest question mark for England is going to be that 10-12 um, channel. I can see them putting potentially Helena to 10 and bringing Tatiana on at 12. Um, 
she adds a different dimension to England. Um, so yeah, Zoe hasn't quite got going yet. Um, she didn't have the greatest of warm up games. Didn't start that well against Fiji. Came, you know, and and that's not because she's a bad player. That's just neat. She's just finding her form at the moment. Um, and uh, yeah, I think you go back a couple of games when Helena played against France and she absolutely took them apart. So they'll be, you know, they'll know yeah. how good she is. Um, so. One thing I think that's interesting ahead of that game next weekend is obviously the the conditions were talked about a lot up at Fongaray, and um, I spoke to Scazzy after the game and. And the uh, the wind intensity at Eden Park was arguably worse than it was on Sunday at Fongaray, but that is a very exposed stadium, and uh, that is going to have it is going to have a part to play, I'm sure, this weekend in that game. Yeah, it's probably the one area of the game actually that, like in general across the board, kicking wasn't that good. Like I expect better from all of the girls and they will expect better from themselves in terms of what they can deliver, and a lot of the girls were missing. I mean, obviously. I think I think Helen Nelson put my boots on before the game. <laughs> Wait, I think she put the ones I was wearing on Saturday, the bottom four that fell off. So. Bless her. What a, oh, terrible. We'll get to that at some point. But um, yeah, yeah kicking. I think that's probably the one the... area of the game that I wasn't that impressed with, just in terms of seeing all of the teams run out. They look good. You look at the the teams that aren't that top group and they, they did well, you know. Um, so, Maybe yeah. the balls were too inflated maybe we've got the same world cup story all over again maybe it's 2015 all over again the balls are too inflated um let's talk about the black ferns wallaroos game and and we've touched on rita aura and how good she looked and um i think i probably have to have a word on on the hacker and um how that game kind of kicked off in eden park and it was it was absolutely phenomenal it was it was actually quite overwhelming it was um Obviously, it was it was a longer hacker than we've seen. We've seen the Black Ferns do that that hacker once previously, um, and that was um, as a mark of respect and mourning. Um, but this was something else, and it just it it blew me away. And the way that Australia walked up to meet it, and the way the crowd got behind it, and uh, my friends who I'm staying with came to the game, and and Tom's an Irish guy who's never been to a women's international before, and. If he has said to me once, he has said to me 500 times that it's the best test match that he's watched at Eden Park and it's the best hacker that he's ever seen. And and actually, for me, who you know, I've been very lucky to see many, many hackers live in in World Cups, in Autumn Internationals and in you know, World Cup warm-ups, all sorts, but that was just incredible. It was so, so special. And and obviously, you can imagine how much I was blubbing when. I was stood in the corner of the pitch watching this hacker, watching Australia walk up to meet it. And the incredible Les Elder, who's obviously been left out of that Black Ferns squad with tears in her eyes, joined in with her Black Ferns teammates and, and you know, in her finery that she was wearing to be part of the, the broadcast team there for Spark, joined in with the hacker as the girls did it. And it was just, oh, I was in hell of a state. <laughs> The old massive eyeballs leaking water. Oh, um, yeah, that, to be fair, it was quite emotional. I think when you see a player that has was captain last year when they got torn apart, part of the changeover of getting a new coach in and then doesn't get picked by that coach, you know, like that's it's heartbreak for her. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I think for me, it's really interesting. You listen to Portia Woodman talk as an interview with her after the match and how she talked about. Um, being asked to do it 
Byrohe demand the um the captain and how it made them all feel and how it was, you know, they've all spoken about how special that occasion was, but actually what that meant for so many players to have played, none of them have played in front of a full Eden Park for them. Like I yeah. could relate in 2010 and it's not even as big, 2010 World Cup final when we, in the, at the stoop, and we were warming up on the back pitches, which are right next to the 316. So you could see all the people filing yeah. past. And it was like, we actually were joking, being like, oh my God, they're all coming for us. Like, this is really yeah. weird. Like, it's not a feeling that, that women's rugby players get very often. And I think you can't underestimate that, uh, the power of that and what does it mean? Because um, big crowds are great, but when they're not there specifically for you, it's, it is different. Yeah. Um, so I think it probably, well, it without a doubt influenced the girls and that being like overwhelmed by doing that type of hacker you know you you can see how emotional they get how exhausting it would be um one thing i would say is how is when i start to say this it's not it's not as disrespect it's actually respect like demont's got um quite a high-pitched new zealand like yeah. accent and voice um and when she was shouting it was like and and, and right at the start it's like that eerie, like yeah, it was. kind of um, sounding to it, and it really came through on the TV. Um, the only thing I'd say is that longer version. I'd be stuffed. I'd have had to been in a full tracksuit, done a full warm up again. <laughs> it, was, it was so long. <laughs> I was yeah, it was. And like, you know, we're not going to see that same hacker throughout the tournament because I think that was an exceptional circumstance for them to be allowed to do something of that length. Um, but you know, it, it? oh, yeah, we, <laughs> yeah we, we talk about this a lot and you know not everyone's in favor of the hacker and not everyone's in favor of of the opportunity that that um the black ferns and the all blacks get with the hacker to kind of lay down a challenge and, and whether that gives them an advantage but you know australia met it literally head on by walking up to meet it and then the way they came out of the blocks, you sometimes I think that the the hacker can have a, a negative effect on a New Zealand team because it it takes so much from them emotionally that the Black Ferns look shell shocked in the beginning of that match. Yeah, I think Australia were were brilliant. Um, the the intensity, the carries, they ripped into them. Shani Williams got hands on the ball nice and early. I think you know what they did. I think tactically they. They came away with points um, it, early on. Obviously, then there was the the bad pass and and the pickup and the like scoop yeah. down the wing from Wong. I think um, I suppose one thing that New Zealand did and they they they'd learned from themselves is that they could have easily been under the pump by far more because every time they got the ball, they butchered it um, early on. And Australia made them punish, but I think they could have made them pun like punish them even more. And just before half time, um, uh, McManaman, Mc I think it's McManaman, and she turned over the ball in the twenty-two, yeah. just outside the twenty-two, round there. Um, and Australia were 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 ramping it up, and I think yeah. if you think they go in twenty-four points to the better that's a big score line for New Zealand yeah. to claw back. And yeah, all right, they were they scored 41 unanswered points or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, it was 100% emotion that, that let them down. But one thing it does show is that when they get the ball, they are an attacking outfit. Yeah. They want to play. They want to 
offload, you know, the wingers are busy, they're getting in behind, they're interlinking, they're forwards, their backs. That's always been the same. But where they do have vulnerability is that defence. Yeah. And they a couple of players came up with some very, very, very big plays to let them out of it. And it's just against when you when I mean against other teams, are they gonna have are they gonna create those turnovers or are yeah. they gonna be punished? Um, uh, you know, next week, Wales are the one team that you can't underestimate because they they don't care. <laughs> they, don't, they, they do care, but they. I hope that they don't care. Like when they play England, they just rip into England. It's about, it is literally yeah. pure kind of we're going to smash you. We're going to come at you in everything we can possibly give you, whether it's like borderline, you know, and they did it against Scotland. I think it was 493 penalties before the yeah. yellow card came. <laughs> um, I think that it's um, it's going to be interesting from a perspective, you know, you, you can only imagine how fearful the the Black Ferns are going to be of Wales when we know that Kira <laughs> Bevan walking around Auckland like Conor McGregor, the absolute kind of cock of the north, the, the most confident person on earth after slotting that kick. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Were the Black Ferns better than you expected? That second half performance obviously was phenomenal. Ruby Tui, a star. Stacey Flula with with that that offload for the, the try for Woodman. Obviously, my best friend, Sarah Hirony, played really really well as well um what did you what did you make of them do you think they are improving match on match at the moment um yeah they are and I think they were shell-shocked but they're not going to give up that much possession I don't think that easily against teams yeah. like there were drop balls there was just it was just there were nerves and there were people that were overwhelmed by it and I think we've spoken about it again with England it's like getting it out of the system those errors and turning it around New Zealand did what England did, but just against a better opposition. And, you know, the second yeah. half against Fiji, they literally didn't tackle. 
like yeah. flats torn apart in the in in our coverage um saying that they turned up to play touch in the second half but um <laughs> yeah I think you've got to credit the the Kiwis and, and the way that they they weathered the storm and, and didn't panic and they just right okay I'm gonna stay yeah. with it um I don't think we saw as much of their hand as we will do I think we okay. saw some really basic rugby done well the interlinking the offloading didn't see as much kicking didn't see as much kind of tactical changing in terms of what they did pretty simple yeah. stuff when they got their hands on the ball it was simple so I yeah. think that's where I'm intrigued and I think they've got more that they've definitely got more up their sleeve in terms of what they will start to integrate Okay, then. Well, from um, Danielle Waterman, the uh, former Red Rose on Saturday, to Daniele Morelli, the Italian wife on Sunday, your new team with the scalp of the tournament. That's got to be considered a scalp. Surely they haven't beaten the USA before. I think most people would have had a W in the column for the Eagles women on Sunday. But Italy turned up and I think we can all say the same thing this week. We all want to be Rigoni. <laughs> Um, I I think it was the win of the, the win of the weekend. I think it's huge um, to yeah. take their form. And you know, Italy are a really good outfit, and they play really good rugby. But they had an absolute stinker in the Six Nations. Yeah. But they turned it around. I think those two French games were literally the best opposition they could have played to gain confidence. Um, when they came second in the Six Nations, they totally just they were on such a wave of. Um, confidence they totally destroyed the French um so yeah I think one thing they they showed against America and where America have come unstuck they came unstuck against Scotland obviously they got the win and then against England is they're organized and their work rate to to defend but line change and like you know manipulation of defenders um they don't they don't handle that well, but Ragoni picking out those skip passes to to get the wingers onto the ball and the plays. It was a decision making in defence where where USA came unstuck, and there were actually players there. They just needed to make the tackles, but it's it's simple to say, or oh, someone needs to make a tackle. And yeah, sometimes it is just a technical thing. They just go too high or don't get their shoulder in or whatever. But actually, when there's more players, sometimes you don't make the tackle because there's no communication or just you don't make the right decision. So it does it make America a poor side and, and will they potentially not progress? I don't think so. You know, they're, they're great. I suppose the one concern is that Hope Rogers picked up an injury. She did stay on. Um, but yeah, I like fair play to the Italians. Um, and Judah Franco, who hasn't played loads and loads of rugby, she came over to England and played and then went back and, um she got player of the match and her mum took the headlines on socials so giving her everyone hugs absolutely legend it was so beautiful to see do you think that italy can beat canada as well now um i don't know like i think i think where the canadians absolutely tore the japanese apart was the um was set piece and I, I think the Italians will meet them fire with fire in terms of the carries and collisions. Um, that said, 
it's interesting because the Japanese, to be fair to them, manipulated the Canadian defence. They got into positions where they should be making line breaks. They sh- they they would have got in behind. And as soon as you get in behind yeah. the team, obviously they're scrambling defensively on a couple of phases. If the if the Italians can take what they did against um, America and build phases and change lines and those passes stick I think it, it will be a lot closer than people probably or even me would have thought it would have been at the start of the before before this weekend's yeah. game oh I can't wait for that one cannot wait for that uh so you commentated on um Canada Japan with Mr Nick Heath um what did you make of those two sides I I was quite impressed with Canada pre-tournament in that moment play, they played against Wales and I, I'd said last week I think that Gareth Reese was telling me what big girls they are and, and what, you know, kind of specimens of athletes they are. Um, how do you see their World Cup going? Um, if Sophie de Goody stays fit, she's going to, in my opinion, is going to be up there with one of the players of the tournament. She's wow. absolutely brilliant. Um, does a bit too much um, for the team at times, so came a bit unstuck with some of her, her detail, but I just think, oh my gosh, if she was in the England team, it like I, she would still be up there with one of the like she would even get even better. Wow. Like, the way that she wins collisions and offloads, and I think obviously it helped. She was about twice. She literally was about twice the size of the. Massive. When I I went up to the um, the media lounge, and she was doing her mix zone interviews. She's huge. Yeah, it, you know, and. And really those, pretty as well. For those, um, for those that haven't, um, she's only twenty three. She's captain. Both her parents captained Canada. Yeah. Uh, in the interview afterwards, she was asked, "You know, are your parents here?" And then her dad had a t shirt on saying about, I don't know, it was so cute. I'm gonna have to, but I might have to find it because it was so sweet. It was something about the name, family name, and stuff. Um, and the the smile and the pride that she had. And interestingly, um, I spoke about it a little bit on comms. On the old old girls Red Roses group, there's been players been put photos up of like them having pictures there over there with their opposition and and people that they played against and they knew for years. And and um, Sophie's mum actually came up and Emma Mitchell, who lived over in Canada, she coached the Canadians, but um, like knew her really well was like she's just one of the best players mentors coaches and I just love that respect um do you know what I mean yeah. so obviously you know she's come from incredible crop with yeah. both their parents but the way she played was class I think the Canadians were just like they just demolished the Japanese like absolutely demolished them but that said at half time well what do you do to stop the most ridiculous juggernaut of a catch and drive lineup. We don't engage. You just stand there, yeah. and the front carrier, not transfer the ball. You don't, and and so Leslie McKenzie knew exactly what to do. So you look at a, a coach influence at half time. It totally changed the game. The problem was the Japanese couldn't win their own ball. So it's like it's all well and good if you've given away penalties and um. And an opposition is kicking to the gut, and you can't defend what they've got, like your defense. But when you're attacking those situations, it's, yeah. it's, it's just you don't have a platform to play. Last game of the weekend. Now, Wales Scotland was being hyped as the game of the weekend because I think the encounter the two of them had had in the Six Nations, it's almost like every other fixture had 
like taken that to heart and decided it was going to be as good as it possibly could. So by that point, we'd had five pretty epic World Cup matches. And I thought, is Wales, Scotland going to live up to the billing? And with the exception of the kind of turgid 20 minutes at the start of the second half, it was pretty spectacular. So I had come off air um, and was just decompressing my brain and trying to work out where I was or what time of the day it was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, tuned in um, to bits of the first half and the second half. And uh, I missed the missed kick. And then I saw it on the rerun at half time, And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Helen Nelson didn't didn't perform as we would expect you know you think back to when they produced their iconic draw against the French and the Six Nations and it's huge and she kicked one from the five meter line and you know I think what's hard and what's I suppose what's quite good is that her kicking badly isn't women can't kick it was she's had yeah. an absolute shocker and and that's not yeah. it's brutal for her she's gonna she's and, yeah, yeah, and, and, and you know like any player she's it, it will dent her confidence but like what was really good was that it wasn't criticized like it it has been I, you know in, yeah. in terms of that that it was just like that she's had a, you know she's had a bit of a mare I suppose for me the the management of the number of infringements in the 22 um, by Wales it did finally result in a yellow card but as soon as that yellow card happened Scotland scored now if you do that 10 minutes earlier they've got 10 minutes more of the game and the, exactly. and, the, and yeah. the um or whenever it you know I don't know how many penalties because I just tuned in and they and they were starting to talk about it on comms like this has to change this has, you know yeah um obviously tails wasn't but um like she was acting <laughs> surprised about right how and I was embarrassed. <laughs> I was sat there. Yeah, I was. I was next to um, Fiona Thomas from the Telegraph and and Sarah Mockford. And and you know, by that point, it was getting to it. It was getting a little bit um, laughable. It, it felt a, a comedy of, of kind of errors at that point because we'd had what felt like so it was sixty five match minutes on the clock when Cara Hope eventually got the yellow card for the repeated infringements by Wales. At that point, it had felt like since kickoff of the second half. Scotland had been camped on Wales's line with Wales being penalised, penalised, penalised. And as you say, if that card had come after the first five minutes of that, Scotland had got 10 minutes more in that second half. Now, obviously, the card's only going to last 10 minutes, but it would have been a yellow card that lasts 10 minutes. Perhaps Jasmine Joyce gets yellow carded at the same time, but you've still then got another 10 minutes at the end of the game to, to you know, well, potentially win it. Yeah, and and when the game when score lines are closer, there's different pressure put on teams. You know, yeah. Jazz they were under they were under pressure when Jazz came up, and and because they'd created the overlap. Um, I think yeah. what's an interesting one, and it's not to to go at the to the ref. And it was interesting to hear in in your interview with Rachel Malcolm afterwards that she was saying that the ref's communication was really good. And I think that you forget the other parts of it. It's not to hammer. It's just what's also the knock-on effect of penalties and infringements in the first half, you know, what, like, because it kind of felt like there was a bit of a reset at halftime 
Whereas it's like, if they're on a warning, if they are nearly there in the first half and they continue in the second half, it's like, it's like the halftime saved Wales a bit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I suppose there was conversation in, um, in our commentary with ITV and also the chat at halftime with, um, and actually Philippa was talking about how the missed kick, the penalty, and, and you messaged me about it, by going for post and missing, like should they have gone for the line out when the line out was their strength? Yeah. I actually think it was the right decision to go for post. It just technically it just wasn't executed. Because yeah. if you build a score line, like you know, Rachel talked about in the interview, it's exactly they left it too late to get too many points. Well, if you get three more points, also if your kick is not kicking off the tee that well, they only get two more points by getting a try. And you've got to go through all the rigmarole of yeah. throwing the ball, catching the ball, driving it. When Wales were defending it, they were getting stuck yeah. in and they did and, turn and the ball. And that's the thing, you know, Wales played, you know, the last quarter of that match with 14 players. Their defence was very good. Their defence was very good in the first half. And, you know, the, for them, their attack was was better than I've seen it for, you know, that's the best I've seen Wales attacking under Johan Cunningham and and he has been desperate to get Megan Webb back in that midfield and his selection uh, raised eyebrows mine were on, on the top of my head my eyebrows were so far raised because she has not started she's but she has not played and yes she's been unlucky with injuries and yes he's shown a lot of faith in her but I could not believe he had picked her to start in a world cup game considering that she you know she hasn't played and how justified he was in doing so because she was fantastic one thing I'm really interested in though we've talked about the kicking now it's all square 80 minutes on the clock the restart happens Wales get the penalty Kira Bevan nerves of steel slots it because Eleanor Snowzel's off the field by that point what I want to know had it been the opposite situation and Scotland are awarded a penalty Helen Nelson has missed every kick off the tee at that point what what's the the psychology in that moment for a team do you as the captain look to another kicker if you've got somebody else in your back line you can kick would you give the tee to somebody else I think the honest conversation is you look at the kicker she should have looked at Helen and said are you going to get this or not and she needs to that's where you've got to put your ego and pride over absolutely handing it over to somebody um somebody else I think it is it's a really really difficult call and it's the and interestingly Kira said I can do it and she she owned it um I don't know whether Robin did I don't know because actually I thought they've made that substitution Robin's the kicker because she's got decent distance on her kick I forgot about the fact that that Kira kicks as well um so I think quite often captains will look at the kicker and the kicker will say yes or no if they say no, then there's a decision to make, or I think the conversation would be would have been happened. I think what's hard, <clears throat> and what probably at Scotland out of everybody, is as a captain the respect that Rachel has from her players. If she's asking of something, they will give her the right answer. They won't. Do you know what I mean? And and that's yeah. so. But it's it's a difficult one, isn't it? Um, you're the hero or the villain at the end of the game. Yeah. And I think that was, you know, Kira Bevan, obviously, um, she touched on it in the interview that I did with the post-match, but she obviously did miss that kick against Italy in the Six Nations. And I know that that 
psychologically was very tough on her. So for her to get that yesterday was huge. And I think, you know. Ordered to the girls, I did. (laughs) She's a hell of a girl, she is. um, She... I mean, Kira was crying as she came in for the interview and told me I wasn't allowed to look at her because she was going to cry. I was like, it's quite hard for me to conduct an interview without looking at you, Kira. Um, and then I went out after I'd done my post-match interviews and, and Liz and mum was, was crying in the stand and it was really emotional and a really, really special day. Um, you know, obviously I, I am here for ITV and I'm, I'm incredibly neutral and impartial, uh, but I'm also... Welsh. Well, I am Welsh yeah and the thing that was going to make me cry the most was seeing Alicia Butchers leaving the ground on crutches clearly very very upset and we don't know we haven't been told yet there's been no official line from Wales um but it doesn't look particularly promising how much of a loss is she going to be for Wales huge absolutely massive she didn't play against Canada when they got completely sorted and she's just She's like an extra back and an extra forward. She's so fit. Um, and uh, at the same Did time... You see the number, the number came off his shirt in the first half. And I was like, this suits her down to the ground. Oh. She plays like she has a number on her back anyway. Oh, of course she did. Absolute cheese ball. I just can't believe she didn't pass the ball to Jazz. Because Jazz would have scored it. And she wouldn't have got tackled like she did. She just got put... And it was a fantastic cover tackle. I don't know if it's... It was... Um, but yeah. Um, unbelievable cover tackle and exactly how you stop a try because she pulled her back over herself so you hit her and then you, yeah. and and the upper body strength to do that is why her knee got injured because she got hit yeah. and then pulled and and if she if you hit if, if the tackle and the technique had been hit and drive she would have hit a dr- driven her over maybe to the corner flag but could the ball could have come down um yeah. so one um i can't i don't know who it was unbelievable to get across but I just can't believe Lisa didn't pass it I, I think she was on just the most ridiculous form in the Six Nations you could see that that came through and translated into the World Cup which is exactly what you want um so yeah I I, I keep my fingers crossed for her because you want the best players playing in the in the biggest tournaments yeah, and I think the other one as well is Georgia Evans looked like she got injured she then stayed on for about two minutes and then went off I saw her afterwards her arm was strapped in a sling I believe it's an AC joint she's being scanned either today or tomorrow against the Blackfins how much of a loss is she and that kind of Sari's nous and grit that she brings to Wales's pack yeah just I I think she's she again she's a big loss just because she she plays without fear she just gets stuck in puts her head in rips into it would would love the intensity of playing the black ferns you know different players playing a different style and I can only imagine that you know obviously I'm sure she would feel nervous and concerned but that but at the same time plays with that kind of real like her and Marley are that that type of breed where it's just yeah. get stuck in go and be a mongrel and and that and you, and you need to do that against New Zealand you can't you can't show you can obviously respect them but you can't show that you've got to get you've got to you know be pretty fearless and that's how I would kind of describe her so I think you know to lose those two will be huge for you know and kind of that said you know you have got Shuan in terms of her experience in terms of her physicality but she just doesn't quite have the pace that those stuff no one has got the pace in that pack that Leisha does but that you know the pace that 
um, Georgia does does have. Yeah. I think next week, England, France is going to determine the fate of that pool, which then will determine yeah. the fate of someone else in the, in the quarterfinals. Um, yeah. Who do they face? Where? Which side of the, when you look at the seniority that could come through the quarterfinals, which team will come out as number one in a, in a, in a semifinal spot um, with one playing four, two playing three and anything can happen obviously in a quarterfinal, but yeah. like, the seeding into the quarters will determine the seeding out of it as well. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think that's a that's going to be interesting. But I reckon that the hardest one to call is probably South Africa, Fiji. So based, we've seen every team in action. Based on what you've seen, who is going to be the surprise package of this World Cup? Who is going to be? I maintain that we are going to see a surprise team in the semis. Who do you think it might be? Oh. Um, Australia, if they can produce more of a th- than a thirty-minute performance. Um, that said, I think they've got the hardest pull now with Wales and Scotland as two real rugby nations. You know that have got a solid set piece um, and can defend, and they're used to defending. I think Australia will be sh- it will be shocked for for Australia because Scotland, in particular, weather storms really, really well. They just don't get that many points themselves. So uh, I know that yeah. sounds a bit strange, but it's how do Australia cope with that? Fiji, in terms of what they can produce, but they can't disappear in games like they did against England. But then was it because yeah. it was the Red Roses that that's what they did? Because some of their yeah. attack, and 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 it wasn't the flary stuff for me, it was actually the collision points. But I suppose what I don't know enough about some of the nations is how deep are their squads? You know, yeah. I know the red. I know the vast majority of the top tier groups, but not necessarily the Australian bench. How good are those players? Because if you start losing players to injury, the rotation a week helps. When you used to do four day yeah. turnarounds, you had like players were exhausted, especially from the lower nations, in terms of rankings, um, because the same players were having to go out and out. But England did. You know, I played in every game, yeah. started in every game. Um, in most of the World Cups I've played in. So I think that that's going to determine what what happened. Um, I haven't answered it, have I really? But I don't know. No, well, that, that, it, but... That, that makes it exciting, doesn't it? And on that note, should we end this podcast? I'd actually quite like to go to bed. Oh, I've got a day ahead of me now. Over in You're going to walk Koya now. Shining. Um, Koya's got a vet's appointment. So Princess Koya takes the priority. Um, well, she does. Enjoy your sleep. I want to finish on. I have loved seeing women's rugby on the global stage. You talked about getting emotional about it um, over there. I think we're avoiding that over here because it is so early on in the morning. There's just not enough liquid in anyone's eyes. We're just still trying yeah. to wake up. But it's a strange feeling for me to to see it all unfold. I think the quality of the rugby, not the score lines, the quality of the rugby for all the 12 teams out there has moved forward since the last world cup, the catch and pass, the tackles, just some of the detail around the game, how it's being played. And that's a credit to the players. That's a credit to the management. Um, It's a massive credit to Premier 15s because the vast majority of nations actually do have players over here in England. Um, But I love that. And that's what you want. That's all you want. All you want is the game to keep moving forward. All I want is that. And that, I think, has been shown in round one. And we've still got, you know, five more rounds to go, which I just, yeah, I'm excited about. The fact that I can't call who is the surprise team yeah. shows that a number of teams have stepped up and that's what you want. Um, 
so yeah that's my positive end on I, I love that my little try hard friend i'll speak to you next week bye ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.